0: Well, good evening. Thank you for coming to the mixed service tonight. Are you ready to praise the Lord? Let's get on
1: to our feet and praise the Lord. Oh, Lord, you're the king of the earth. We praise your name. Oh, we welcome you in this place. Your light shines through my darkness. Oh, darkness. Like a fire, it consumes all my fears, all my failures. Your grace overwhelms like a flood straight from heaven. Your hope opens eyes to the floodgates of heaven. Jesus, King of the earth,
2: let the heavens
1: proclaim your word. The one true God, defeated in the grave, we join with angels to sing your praise. Jesus, King of the earth, let the heavens proclaim your work. The one true
2: God, defeated in the grave, we join with angels to sing your
1: praise. Overthrown is the power of darkness, oh darkness, lost his hope. With your kindness and your goodness, your love breaks the chains of my heart, of my mind, and your power sets free all the captives and you bring free so oh. Jesus,
2: King of the earth,
1: let the heavens proclaim your word. the one true God to feed in the grave we join with angels to sing your praise jesus king of the earth let the heavens proclaim your word the one true god defeated the grave we join with angels to sing your praise and oh my soul Oh my soul will sing, it will sing of your goodness, and oh
2: my soul will
1: praise you, oh my soul, and oh
3: Anybody thankful for the Lord Jesus Christ tonight? Anybody thankful for his faithfulness, his goodness? I know one thing about this generation, one thing about my age group is there is a heavy anointing, a heavy responsibility, a heavy calling, I believe, upon our age group and our families. And so we're so thankful tonight to be mixing it up in the presence of Jesus Christ. Is anybody excited to be in God's house tonight? I know I'm excited to be here, and we're extra thankful that you're here tonight. We believe that God is up to something big, and we want to be a part of that tonight. I think of it like this, that there is a river that God, the the river of God is flowing, and we want to jump into that tonight because he's been so faithful, so good to us, and we want as much of him as we can possibly get. So with that being said, we love you. We're so glad that you're here tonight. We want you to get out in the aisles, shake hands, and welcome one another into God's house tonight.
1: your face.
0: Jesus. Thank you, God, for what you're going to
1: do tonight, Lord. My mother's womb, you have chosen me, your blood flows through my veins. I've been born again into a family. Your love has called my name from my mother's womb from my mother's chosen me, your love has called my
2: name,
1: oh, I've been born again into a family, your blood flows through my veins, I'm no longer,
2: I'm no longer.
1: Chá No longer a slave to fear,
2: for I am a child of God.
4: Amen. Can you say praise the Lord to that? Fear not our scripture this morning. Fear not, for I have redeemed thee. I have called thee by thy name, thou art mine. How many of you know tonight the Lord is faithful to his word, to his promise, amen. Well, I wanna introduce you to somebody, since this is a mixed baby, he gets introduced this evening and then he'll have to do his Sunday morning presentation as well, but this is little Brooks Johnson. Brooks Johnson, this is his first time to the mix. and Like I said, he's a mixed baby, so would you make him feel welcome in his church tonight? This is Tyler and Brittany's little baby, and this is his first time to be in service tonight. You picked a good night. He loves me, by the way. If you don't know this, this is my great nephew. So he calls me Grand Uncle Ray. (laughs) Told you he loved me. <laughs> Gonna go before the Lord in prayer as our ushers are getting ready to serve you, but we we want to go before the Lord in prayer. How many of you have a special need tonight to make it known with an uplifted hand? Amen. We want to trust God and we believe God, and you know, one of the things that I wanted to get to this morning in the message was, you know, when we find ourselves in. Places of trial and tribulation, we find ourselves in crisis, living in this life, in this world. It doesn't mean we're any less close to God. Can I get an amen? It doesn't mean we're we're not where we should be with God. You know, we're called to go through persecutions. We're called to go through suffering. Paul, the apostle, one of the great apostles of the word, the Lord shared with him and, and made sure he knew that he would. He would go through all kinds of suffering for the Lord's sake. And uh, it's important that we know when we go through trial we go through tribulation, that that's just part of this world. But Jesus said, be of good cheer, for I have overcome the world. And be sure you will have tribulation. But he wanted us to have confidence in him. Amen? So we have confidence tonight. Confidence that whatever it is that you're going through, whatever it is you're praying about, that God is a God of his word. He promises to bring us out. And so we're gonna pray over those needs right now. Would you help me? Let's pray and let's please remember the three families that we're praying for um, this week that will be having memorial services. I wanna remember the Virgil Lamberghi family, the Linda Robinson family, and the Ann Willimon family. Let's remember them tonight, let's pray. Father, as we come before you, Lord, we are confident in our faith, assured, Lord, that you are a God of your word and your promise. And lord though we find ourselves going through difficult seasons and days we know our god is able to bring us through and to bring us out we honor you tonight and we bless your holy name i pray in the name of jesus that you will touch each of the needs represented in this house that you would touch every heart every life that you would minister to each one of them lord we know you're a god that heals we know that you're a god who delivers we believe and we stand on your word that you're a God who guides and directs our lives. We thank you for this this truth, these uh, the anchors of our own faith, and we give them every need to you tonight, knowing that you're able to bring us through. I thank you for your comfort and your strength for our families that are hurting. I pray in the name of Jesus that you'll help us this week, that you'll guide and direct us, Lord, in ministry to them, that we as a church will bind together in a spirit of wonderful unity and support and love and be there for them. God, the least at times we can do is just be there. I pray that you will touch and minister to every life and heart and every need as we never fail to give you the glory and the honor for answered prayers and for a God who cares. In Jesus' name, and everyone said amen. Amen. God bless you. You can be seated. Our resters are coming to serve you. On this mixed Sunday night, I thank you. I always appreciate the young adults that come out especially who are here tonight. Uh, I love all the other folks, I'm not going to tell you you're old, but if you're a little bit older than a young adult, thank you for being here as well. We appreciate you, Um, Brian, (laughs) where is he at, (laughs) there he is, Brian, Brian, yeah. He was joking with me, I was talking to some young adults and I referred to them as, under 40, so they're young adults, and uh, he said, hey, what about the 50 crowd? And I said, no, you get a cane with a horn on it. <laughs> but uh, we're so thankful tonight for the young adults in our church, the many that, that are part of our church, and we want to, tonight, uh, the ministry of the word, Marty Tackett, is going to come and speak in just a few moments. That's all right, do that. We appreciate Marty. <laughs> That's a good man. Got a good word for us tonight, so we're going to have that and, and pray for us this week, it will be difficult as a church, um, preparing and, and being ready for these several services on top of our regular services here, and then also this next weekend as we get ready for the camp meeting, uh, we'll be hosting the uh, Southern Ohio camp meeting uh, starting Sunday evening, Monday, Tuesday. Uh, Monday and Tuesday we're at 7 o'clock, guest speakers are going to be coming in from out of the state, plus we'll be hearing from our new bishop, uh, Les Higgins, he'll be speaking right here in the sanctuary, so we're excited, we're also, you know, a little nervous because we're wanting to get this area over here opened up for our guests so that we can host them in the best possible way, so if you, as Richard pointed out this morning, if you have extra hands and a little extra time this week, we would love to invite you by to help uh, put things together, maybe If you're a little uh, able to to read directions, you can put a couple of pieces of furniture together or you can uh, help us with uh, what we're trying to get accomplished and done. So we'll thank you for any uh, any day that you're able to come by and help. So God bless you. Uh, Thank you for your gifts tonight. Thank you for being faithful in your gifts to the Lord. Let's pray. Father, we come to you again. We thank you that you bless your people, that, Lord, they understand the power of giving. Lord, we give tonight because we are blessed and because we understand the way the, ec- the economy works for your kingdom. Lord, you said that you love a cheerful giver. And you've said that it's impossible to outgive you. That Lord, those who give, it'll be given back to them. So we thank you for the gifts tonight, knowing that it's an investment in the work you're doing around the world, and we want to be a part of that. We thank you tonight and pray that all is run through the filter of your will and your purposes. In Jesus' name, amen.
0: Micah four thirteen, On your feet, daughter of Zion, be thrust of chaff, be redefined of dross. I'm remaking you into a people invincible. I don't know about you, but for many years, I was someone invisible. But God did not create us to be invisible. He has created us to be invincible. When storms come, when trials come, when loss comes, my prayer is going to be louder, and my praise is going to be louder. So tonight, God, I pray that you pour your spirit out, God come to our rescue tonight Lord create us God to be a people invincible I don't know when my time is going to come Lord when you're going to take me Lord or when you're going to come for your church but God I am taking everyone with me Lord and your work will be completed will be fulfilled in our lives sing Diane oh we
1: praise you God we praise you God
2: Come to a race tonight
1: you. falling on my knees in worship giving all Was finished on that day, death was beaten, all darkness was laid. Buried they came to mourn. The stone was rolled away, the veil was torn, for he has risen, he is the king of all the earth. (laughs) Oh, we praise your name. Death. We cry holy in praise and praise in all the earth, oh, and Hallelujah! He has conquered death, and He. Reigns. He reigns. He raised. The room was shaken, the wind of God, a fire from heaven descended upon.
5: believe that tonight do you believe that he's conquered death has he done that for you amen I believe we should raise the rafters in this place Jesus Christ is worthy of our praise he's worthy of our attention he's worthy of our time and I'm so thankful that you came out tonight it shows to him and it shows to your pastor and those that that God's important to you that this walk is important to you that you have with him I'm so thankful for this church week like we've got Gary I'm so thankful for this church we go through painful moments in life and we go through struggles and we go through times like this and you know the Holy Spirit is the comforter that God sent us to when he went and ascended to heaven he sent the Holy Spirit that we would not be left comfortless and the neat thing about that is we read that, that by the same comfort that we've received we're able to comfort one another And when we go through difficult times, and we don't know what to say. Pastor, you said something that God spoke to my heart with your dad, my father-in-law. I didn't have the words to say when my mother-in-law passed. I didn't know what to do. And God showed me a portrait. He said, just be there. Just be there. And I, I looked at that, and I thought, okay. So I started researching what the comforter was in the word, and I began to look, and it just simply meant to come alongside to come alongside it doesn't mean you got to have the right word it doesn't mean that you've got to have the the right thing to say it just means that as a church we come alongside one another in difficult times and and in struggles in times of loss we just come alongside one another and in that we have God's comfort that joins us Dave and it's just a wonderful thing this church that we have the congregation of God's people can you give this band this worship band a, a hand tonight thank you Tasha and And everyone for bringing us into the presence of the Lord. So thankful for our church and the the talent that we have. You can go ahead and be seated. I'm going to set this up for a minute. I may have a stand for the reading of the word, but my wife gets on me. And as you can see, I've got a knot on the side of my head. I've been saying it was her all day long. It was a tree branch that actually got me yesterday. On my own merit, it was something I caused. But I'll have you all sit down so my, my wife, uh, Angie, doesn't put another knot on the side of my head. Now, I'm just teasing. She's going to get me for that now. As I set this up, and I'll let you go ahead and um, look up the scripture that we're going to read tonight. Just get prepared for that. It's going to be out of Philippians chapter 3. And uh, we're going to start probably in verse 3 and read down through verse 14. And then also in 2 Corinthians 10 and 13, we'll read that. But, you know, we live in a day of ministry. You know, Brother Russ, we live in a day of ministry. You know, it may not look like it. We look around us, and the world is in chaos. People are going their own direction, doing their own thing. It it is just chaotic. I'm looking at Chris over there who works in the high schools and works at the high school I went to, and it's chaotic. The things that are happening in our culture It's uh, it's a set apart. It's a time that has never happened before. We can look at what God compares our time to. He compares it to the days of Noah and the days of Sodom and Gomorrah. The difference I see in the days of Noah, we can understand that it it was man's heart that was evil continually. And God regretted that he made man and therefore Noah who found grace in his sight was saved. So we understand there's salvation in the last days, but there's an evil in man's heart that was present in Noah's day, and it's compared to our day. In Sodom and Gomorrah, there was a perversion that took place, and then that perversion that took place, which we don't need to go that path, but but when we see that portrait, our day is compared to that. But what I see is I see that technology has taken this day even a little farther, so we're in a culture that is set out to change everything about our humanity, who we are How we were born, and on and on it goes. A culture set on removing prayer from schools, removing fathers and mothers from homes. This is the culture we're in. Removing husbands from wives and wives from husbands and vice versa. A culture that is okay with God, but wants nothing to do with Jesus. This is our culture. A culture that is ripe for the harvest. A culture that is ready for ministry. If you don't truly see ministry for what it is as we get into this, then you might miss it. I had the opportunity yesterday before, it was actually right after I got knocked in the head. I was at a job, and in this job while I was there, there was a lady that as I began to go up and kind of close out the the job at her house, she began to share with me. And I realized that this is a ministry opportunity. I, I connected with that quickly. She began to explain how her daughter had moved in and her two granddaughters and now how she feels isolated in her own home. She's a believer. She believes in God. In fact, she's reading herself scripture every night before she goes to bed. She said that's the only encouragement she can get. She said she was a prisoner in her own home, Lawton. And man of God's word begin to pour through me and I begin to encourage her I begin to strengthen her I begin to to share uh, the, the impact that a grandma can have on a family I begin to share what mama will marry and the impact she had on my daughters and and the impact and, and and I tried to explain it to her in this way that it's an opportunity that you're missing see the evil's trying the, the evil that is present maybe in their lives and the devil's trying to paint it as a picture that you're trapped. But what God wants you to see is he's brought them there as an opportunity. It's an opportunity for ministry. I said, the word that you're reading to yourself every night, you need to be bringing out into the living room and reading that with those that, that God's placed in your home. And then I begin to share the scripture, a simple scripture, where it talks about if a, if a light is hidden under a bushel, what good is it? But if it's put upon a candlestick, it illuminates the whole house. I begin to share that with her and encourage her. And I look at that, and I had prayer with her before I left and I, and I thought about that as I left because I thought, what an opportunity, not only for God to use me in an area of ministry for her, but hopefully that'll set out to minister to that next generation. We have these opportunities, opportunities every day. You and I have to come to terms with who we are. Not so much in the physical sense as much as the spiritual sense. If God's people are going to meet the demand of the culture, we need to prepare ourselves for ministry. And I already know what you're saying. I'm not a minister. That's Pastor Ray's job, and that's Pastor Richard's job, and that's Pastor Cam's job, and and that's not me. But what you have to understand tonight is that each one of us, if you're a Christian, you're called into the ministry. You're called in to God's work. You're, You're called in with a message that affects people and has the ability to affect change in someone's life. So the answer is if you need to be prepared for ministry tonight, I would say that answer is yes, you need to be prepared. I put it this way, you need to, be, need to prepare yourself for God's work in our day because that's where we're at. Matthew nine thirty-seven. it speaks of this, of Jesus. Is that, then he said unto his disciples, The harvest truly is plenteous, but the laborers are few. Pray you, therefore, that the Lord of the harvest would send forth laborers into his harvest. Tonight, we're going to look at an individual in the Bible. He tried his best to hit the target of what he thought was God's work, and in the process of time, he came into contact with Jesus, and everything changed. Until you and I have that encounter with Jesus to the point it changes our direction, we'll never perform the ministry God has in mind for us. I've titled tonight's sermon, if I could put a title on it, What It Takes to Hit the Target. What it takes to hit the target. we got a target up there, so that's kind of what the title of it is tonight. If you'd stand for the reading of God's Word, we'll read this and then we'll get started. Philippians 3, chapter... Let's see, Philippians 3, starting in verse 3. It says, For we are of the circumcision who worship God in the Spirit. Rejoice in Christ Jesus and have no confidence in the flesh, though I also might have confidence in, in the flesh. This is Paul writing, If anyone else thinks he may have confidence in the flesh, I more so. He's saying, I've got more of a reason. And he gives what that reason is. Circumcised the eighth day of the stock of Israel, of the tribe of Benjamin, a Hebrew of the Hebrews, concerning the law, a Pharisee, concerning zeal, persecuting the church, concerning the righteousness which is in the law, blameless. But what things... Were gained to me, these I have counted lost for Christ. Yet indeed I also count all things lost for the excellence of the knowledge of Christ Jesus, my Lord, for whom I have suffered the loss of all things, and count them as rubbish, that I may gain Christ and be found in Him, not having my own righteousness, which is from the law, but that which is through faith in Christ, the righteousness which is from God by faith, that I may know Him and the power of his resurrection and the fellowship of his sufferings, being conformed to his death, if by any means I may attain to the resurrection from the dead. Not that I have already app- attained or am already perfected, but I press on, that I may lay hold of that for which G- Christ Jesus also laid hold of me. Brethren, I, I do not count myself to have apprehended, but one thing I do, forgetting those things which are behind and reaching forward to those things which are ahead, I press toward the goal of the prize of the upward call of God in Christ Jesus. And the, sec- the next piece of scripture I want us to look, and we'll unwrap this tonight to apply this, is, but we will not boast of those things. This is in 2 Corinthians 10 and 13. But we will not boast of those things without our measure, but according to the measure of the rule which God had distributed to us, a measure to reach even. Unto you. Dear Heavenly Father, God, I pray over your word tonight. God, I pray that it would be quick and powerful and sharper than any two edged sword. God, that it would pierce into our thoughts and our mind. It would discern our thoughts. It would get the intents of our heart. God, that this would be the place. God, that I would decrease and you would increase. God, anoint your word, anoint your servant. God, I pray let every word come forth that you want spoken tonight, God. I pray the power of the Holy Spirit in this place, God. I pray against struggles. I pray against people, God, who who are struggling with what, God, they are desiring or feel they should do for you, God. I pray tonight let clarity come to the body, and I pray that in the powerful name of Jesus Christ. Amen. And you can be seated. The Apostle Paul, he was born a Jew. He was of the tribe of Benjamin found himself no place different than those who crucified Christ. If, if you look at, at those, the Sanhedrin, if you will, that was put in place in Jesus' day, it was those that back in Moses' day that was put in there to help and assist. Those were the very ones that had Christ crucified. It was those that, that Paul began to work for. He was like a bounty hunter working for the Jews, and, and he would bring those who st- spoke for Christ or stood for Christ, and he would bring them to justice. Until a day. (laughs) Have you had that day? Until the day that he had an encounter on the road to Damascus. I'm not going to get into all the details. We've heard this story. But this was a day of an encounter with Jesus Christ. It was an encounter that transformed him, that changed his mind on the direction he was going. See, he was aimed at a target. He was aimed at a target, and all his passion and all his energy was poured towards hitting and striking that target. The problem was, in the name of God, he was aimed at the wrong target. He was going the wrong direction, and if we're not careful, we can come in and out of the church every week, and we can be no different than Paul, in the name of God, aiming at the wrong target. We see that after he had this encounter with Jesus, he didn't walk the same. He didn't talk the same. He didn't hang out with the same group of friends. Everything about Paul changed with this encounter. Paul was described to be with God's people when you read. He desired to be with them. He he was with the disciples from that point forward. Sure, they were apprehensive of him, but that's where he went. Everything changed. When we make this decision to follow Christ, things have got to change in our life. Paul was being prepared for his destiny it's like Jeremiah 2911 on display and we get to read it through through the Bible and looking at it through through God's eyes if you will on how he formed Paul and how he worked in Paul's life he was aiming at the target in the name of God and once he met Jesus he was able to be aimed in the right direction at the right target second Corinthians 10 and thir- uh, chapter 10 verses 12 and 13. This is kind of one that we read. I want to unpack this a little bit. For we dare not, I'm going to go back one verse. For we dare not make ourselves of the number or compare ourselves with some that commend themselves. Pat each other on the back. But they, measuring themselves by themselves and comparing themselves among themselves, are not wise. Now, if that doesn't describe the world, I don't know what does, Gary. Out in the world, everything's a competition. Everybody's measured up. Everybody's got to be better than the next one. I'm looking at Jamie back here. I know Coach Bales deals with that probably on a daily basis. Somebody's going to take somebody out because they're better than them, they're stronger than them, they're bigger than them, whatever the circumstance is. And Paul is looking at this, and he says that we dare not make ourselves of that number. We're not going to compare ourselves, measuring ourselves by ourselves or comparing ourselves to one another because he said that isn't wise. But this is what we will do. He said we will not boast of things without our measure, But according to the measure of the rule which God hath distributed to us, a measure that reaches unto you. Now, when you look at that word measure, it means something. And it's spoken different places in the Bible. But here, when you look at that word, it's called matron in the Greek. And it's figuratively meaning a limited portion. It means that I'm going to take this portion that God's given me, Ron, and I'm going to embrace my portion. I'm going to embrace this matron. If you look at it in the New King James, it's called a sphere. It's like a sphere of influence that I've been given. And, and, and I'm not going to boast beyond that. I'm going to take leave what I have because this is my portion that God gave me. And I'm going to embrace it with everything i got. And I'm going to do what God called me to do. But the problem we have in our church, I said this was a day of ministry, and it is. But it's also a day like I've never seen before. It's almost a day where people aren't satisfied with where God's called them. That their only satisfaction they can find is looking into someone else's calling. But see, that's what Paul is saying we're not going to do. He said that's not wise. We're not going to measure ourselves against others or measure ourselves the way the world measures. But we're going to look at what God gave us, and that's going to be our portion. And that portion, he says, is going to reach where God desires for it to reach. You have a matron tonight. Paul knew the importance of allowing God to work with him the measure that God distributed to him. Every one of us has that tonight in this place. Paul understood that he was given that measure, his matron. It's important that we get that. I started thinking about this scripture and how to unpack this and how to how to apply this tonight. Because when I thought about about this sphere of influence, I kind of thought of it like a target. I kind of thought of it as being something that we're aimed at and how that, how that Paul was aimed at one direction, but then God transformed him and then sent him back another direction. So then I begin to think that there are certain elements that we need to look at if as an archer would look at, if he's going to fire an arrow, that we're doing it in the right way so that we hit the target that we're to hit. And there were several things I found. I'm not much into archery, and if you have a bow and an arrow in this place and you like deer hunting, you could probably help me out with a couple more things that are important. Some of the things I found that were important was our aim is important. I call that attention. Where you place your attention is important. Our stance is important. Our anchor point, if you're going to shoot an arrow, is important. The strength you have is important. I think I've shot a bow one time. I don't know what pound that bow was, Brother Darrell. But I'm telling you what, it hit my bicep so hard. I mean, it was. It, you're strong if you go out with a bow and arrow and you're going to try to take out a deer. I mean, you've got some strength. And we see that strength is important. We see that wind direction, I would call that atmosphere, if you will, in the spiritual sense, is important. So let's talk about aim a little bit. and How did Paul handle this portion of aim? Well, we see that he was aimed one direction and God redirected him another direction. So how did he respond to that through the course of time? I read in Philippians 2 and 16, he said it this way, Holding forth the word of life, holding it out in front of me, keeping it out in front, that I may rejoice in the day in Christ, that I have not run in vain, neither labored in vain. See, Paul understood that if I'm going to aim right, I've got to aim at Christ that whatever he's got for me to do, if I leave him out of it, I'm going to miss the target. But if I aim at him, through him and him and me, it's like John 15 of the true vine working and how we're in him and him in us, that when we aim at him, guess what? We hit that target. And Only because not that we're aiming at the target, but that we're aiming at him. He leads us and points us in the direction that we should go. So aiming for Christ and his goals makes the difference. Philippians 3 and 13 He said it, we read it earlier, brethren. I count not myself to have apprehended, but this one thing I do, forgetting those things which are behind, reaching forth into the things which are before, I press toward the mark of the prize of the high calling of God in Christ Jesus. He understood what it was like to keep his attention focused and poised towards the prize of the high calling of Christ Jesus. We have to aim at God's will for our life. Paul knew. That he would hit the target when he aimed at Christ. Holding forth God's word is the promise of him leading us towards that mark. It's Matthew 6 and 33. Seek seek ye first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and he'll add all these other things unto us. Aiming at Christ will lead us towards our target. The inconsistent stance, I I call it the stance, making sure you're standing properly. But when I was researching what what can throw an archer off, it's an inconsistent stance. So taking our stand is important. How you see yourself and how you see God, we talked about this a little bit, Andrew and Nicole, in Sunday school. But how you see yourself and how you see God will affect how you stand. If you see yourself, Lewis, and and our weakness and what we lack and what we can't do, guess what? We might miss the target. If we see God and who he is and his strength and his might and we understand that his thoughts are higher than our thoughts and his ways are higher than our ways and we begin to study that out and how many millions of light years that, that, that they say that the edge of the universe is from us and the fact that God is the God of the universe, I'd say his thoughts and his ways are much higher than our thoughts and ways. And we see this in this portrait that taking our stand is important. And we understand what that, what that looks like. In Romans 12 and 3, it says, For I say through the grace given unto me to every man that is among you, not to think of himself more highly than he ought to think, but to think soberly, according as God hath dealt to every man, and here's our word again, the measure of faith. That matron, that sphere of influence, don't think anything beyond who you are, beyond what God's called you to do. See, that's how you miss the target. When you begin to think and look beyond what God has called you to do, Ethan, I'm telling you, that's where we miss it. We begin to look at, at what someone else has got going on or what someone else is doing. And before you know it, we're not even having our attention towards the target God's pointed us at, and we're completely missing what God's got for us. It doesn't mean that where you're at today and what God's called you to today is your destiny. We can look at, at Joshua as a great example. When you read Joshua, he's in the shadow of Moses picking up pieces of the Ten Commandments as Moses has thrown a fit looking at what Aaron had did down making a golden calf. And, and there's Joshua in the shadow of Moses picking up pieces. Moses on the mountain with Aaron and here holding his hands up. When you read that, it said Joshua was on the front line of battle. Joshua was out there battling, risking his life, could be taken out at any moment. Was he doing what he was called to do like a flint? He had set himself on what God had called him to do. He was there. And then there came a day when Moses passed, and what happened? God came, and he got Joshua, called Joshua. And then after all that he had seen and all that he had witnessed and and all that Joshua had been through, he still had to give him the word to be strong and very courageous as he moved into the next phase of what God had called him to. See, the thing is, it's like building blocks, this ministry thing that God's called us to. I can look at my own brother-in-law, who I respect with everything in me, and I hear his story of Hareena, but I also know the backstory of how he began to teach Sunday school and how he began to, to do the things and cleaning the church and anything that needed to be done. He just wanted to be in God's house to do anything he could do to connect with God's people and stay connected to God. And I'm telling you, that's what it looks like. That's what it looks like. Find what God has called you to do. Find what your sphere of influence is. Find those people in your life that need you and embrace that and look at that and, and pray that God keeps you going that direction. It's our stance that makes the difference. In Ephesians 6, we see, and I won't go through this, but it's the armor of God passage, where it says, Finally, brethren, be strong in the Lord and the power of his might put on the whole armor of God may be able to stand, stand against the wiles of of the devil when you look at that word wiles it means methodius in the greek it's methods the only way you're going to be able to stand against the against the methods of the enemy is that you take this stance in god and that's what we see in the armor of god it goes on for we wrestle not against flesh and blood but against principalities against powers against the rulers of darkness of this world against spiritual wickedness in high places and this is wherefore taking you the whole armor of god you may be able to withstand in the evil day and having done all to stand, stand. <laughs> Our stance is important. How you stand and how you are armored up is important. We look at that, it says, Having on the breastplate of righteousness, your feet shod with the preparation of the gospel of peace, your loins good about with his truth. Most of all, taking up the shield of faith, wherewith you be able to quench all the fiery darts of the of the wicked, taking on the helmet of salvation and the sword of the spirit, which is the word of God goes on talking about praying for all saints and supplication for the saints, you know, praying for one another is extremely important in the way we stand. How you stand makes a difference. When you look at Ephesians, and we won't get into that much, but when you look at the scriptures right before the armor of God, it's all about relationships, how we handle relationships with people, how we deal with one another and the submission process and what that looks like. It's interesting that it's people And the relationships with people that's described in the Bible before we get into the armor of God and how it is that we're to take our stand and have faith in God. See, because what we have to understand is that if the enemy's going to attack us, he's going to do it through people. He's going to do it through sometimes people that you love, that you care for, that mean the most to you. And somehow there's a pain that can come your direction from that person. It may be unintentional. It may be something they never even thought they would do, but it happened. You and I have to know how to stand if we're gonna hit our target or we will be knocked off course and we will miss what God has for us. We have a generation, in my opinion, that, that won't stand for what is right. We're we're letting our culture dictate the boundaries, and there's never been a time like now in which Christians should stand for what is right. It's time that we stand up and take that stand. Personally, in our spiritual walk, what we stand for makes all the difference. We will always encounter the forces of the enemy trying to knock us off course, but we must keep the armor of God and take our stand. Remember, the enemy will shoot those arrows at us. They will come. Difficulties will come. Struggles will come. That's why it says, most of all, taking up the shield of faith, wherewith you will be able to quench all the fiery darts of the wicked. You don't have to be a pincushion. That's the opposite of it. Gary, I look at it. It's like you're a pincushion. You got no faith. You're sitting there, and it's just like you got, like a porcupine, you got pins sticking out of you, arrows from the enemy sticking out of you from all over. And it's woe is me. And you're petting them, and you're calling them all by name because you know which one did this and which one did that. And everybody talks to you. They see the pincushion sticking out of you. Why? Because you failed to keep that shield of faith to quench those fiery darts of the wicked. I'm telling you, it's important how we stand tonight. Our anchor point must be in Christ. In Hebrews 6 and 19, it says, Which hope we have as an anchor of the soul, both sure and steadfast, and which entereth into that within the veil. Christ Jesus is our anchor point. how you're anchored makes all the difference in your walk with Christ and whether you hit your target or not. Where you anchor yourself has everything to do with that. John 3 and 34, It said this way, For he whom God hath sent speaketh the words of God. For God giveth not the Spirit by measure unto him. Speaking of Jesus, that's beautiful. That same word, by the way, that matron is right there. Ephesians 4 and 7, we see it again. But unto every one of us is given grace according to the measure of the gift of Christ. We have that matron, that measure of what God has. When we get connected to him, even though we have this sphere of influence that is limited to what God has given us, we go in with the fullness of who Christ is. Now, that's exciting. It's one thing to have a mission field set in front of you. Maybe it's like you're confronted with the people God's put in your life and in yourself. You don't know how you're going to do it in yourself. You don't know how you would win them in yourself. You don't know what you would do. But here's what we have, the confidence in God's word. The confidence we have is that we have the measure of the gift of Christ that's working within us. That's exciting tonight. It's that word of the measure of Christ, that matron of who he was. How about being anchored in him, thinking of his word? He cannot be separated from his word. I'm remembered in Psalm 119 and 89 where it says, Forever, O Lord, thy word is settled in the heavens. God's word is settled there. It cannot be removed. How about in Psalm 119, 11 where David said, Thy word have I hid in my heart that I might not sin against thee. He understood that there was this chance he could do the wrong thing, but he understood also if he had God's word anchored inside of him, his chances was better he would do the right thing. His word hidden in his heart that he might not sin against him. How you're anchored makes a difference in your life and we'll talk about strength briefly for the few moments we have Ephesians commands us to be strong in the Lord we see it there are too many Christians try to fight their battles in the flesh instead of in the spirit just like Paul we find ourselves going the wrong direction fighting the wrong people <laughs> wow are you seeing this tonight? Are you seeing that Paul, in the name of God, was going at what was the church of the day, standing up for Christ, and he's attacking them with all the zeal that he had to persecute the church. But he was going the wrong direction. He had the wrong target. He has this encounter with Jesus, and when what we need to take from that tonight is if we find ourselves going the wrong direction, find ourselves going the wrong way, attacking the wrong people, Maybe we need an encounter with Jesus. Maybe it's time that we get alone in our prayer closet until we look a little more like him and we get his agenda and we get get his direction. We see that Paul was redirected through that process and he began to go the right direction. Our strength, and this is a confidence we can have tonight, our strength is contained in Christ. The word says the joy of the Lord is our strength. That's beautiful. In 2 Corinthians 12 and 9, we read it this way. It says, and he said unto me, my grace is sufficient for thee, that my strength is made perfect in weakness. Most gladly, therefore, will I rather glorify in my infirmities that the power of Christ may rest upon me. Man, I've I've had the opportunity to pray with different peoples that that have struggled with a weakness in their life. And and I love to bring the revelation of this scripture to them. That whatever your weakest point is, whatever that thing is that the enemy tries to trip you up, and maybe he continually trips you up in that area, that with Christ, that area becomes your strongest point. Not because of you, but because of his strength. Strength is important if we're going to hit the target but our strength is contained in Christ tonight. Philippians 4 and 13, we see that matron, that word again. It says, till we all come in the unity. Unity, I love that word of faith and of the knowledge of the Son of God unto a perfect man, unto the measure of the stature of the fullness of Christ. And so that matron, the stature of the fullness of Christ, that is exciting that when we get connected with one another, and, and, and we realize that, that God is our focus. It gets us to that place where not only my fulfillment of my matron, what God's called me to, my measure, it gets connected with Gary's measure, which gets connected to Daryl's measure, and that in itself becomes the fullness of Christ. It becomes the fullness of the church. One of the other struggles that can prevent us from hitting our target is winds. I like to name this one, Atmosphere. The wind direction can knock us off course and prevent us from hitting our target. For the Christian, this can represent the atmosphere, what we allow or find ourselves in. That is why it's so important, what we allow in our ears and our mind, because that ultimately gets down into our heart. What you listen to, what you look at, sooner or later you'll become that. I was thinking of of in the story, and I believe it was... um, it was a lot. I'm gonna stick on a band and then I'm gonna do what Angie told me to do. I'm just gonna to stick to my notes. She's smiling back me out there back there at me. But anyhow, the atmosphere. See, the winds tried to shift me, Gary. Tried to knock me off course. I'm gonna stay focused on the target tonight. Everybody, okay? Amen. Amen. You guys want to be here to nine o'clock, right? Okay. Because that was a long sermon, so I'm gonna let that one go. Just kidding. The wind direction can knock us off course tonight. For the Christian, it represents the atmosphere. Matthew 8 and 24, it said, Behold, there arose a great tempest in the sea, insomuch that the ship was covered with the waves. Speaking of Jesus, but he was asleep. His disciples came to him and awoke him, saying, Lord, save us, for we perish. If you need a drama for that, me and Richard, Pastor Mac, could probably do a drama. We used to do that in the Easter cantata. Sorry about that. It's one of our favorite parts. Lord, save me. I know. Sorry, Pastor. He said, stay on track. He's whispering to me over here. And he said unto them, Why are you so fearful, O ye of little faith? Then he arose and he rebuked the winds and the sea, and there was a great calm. But the men marveled, saying, What manner of man is this that even the winds and the sea obey him? What confidence do we get into that? That no matter what atmosphere we find ourselves in, whatever the winds may try to do, see, the disciples found themselves at a place. Where the, where the sea was rocking that boat and they didn't know what was going to happen and they got to wake Jesus up and they got to tell him that they're about to perish as though he has no idea what's going on. And sometimes that's like us. We go through struggles. We go through times where we don't know how we're going to get through it. And, and in the process, we feel like we got to wake Jesus up and tell him and show him what we're dealing with. And I love the fact that Jesus gets up and he rebukes the wind and it teaches them something. See, they learned something about going into that that sea that they didn't know before they went into it. After they went into the sea and after the storm had hit them, and that's a lot like us. After we go through the storms of life, we learn something about him. we learn, just like the disciples here, that the winds and the waves, they obey him. See, they didn't know that. They didn't understand that before they got into this ship. But after they got out of this boat and they saw what Jesus was able to do, they realized at that point that the winds and the sea They obey him. Ephesians 6, it talks about this atmospheric struggle. It talks about the principalities against the powers, against the rulers of darkness of this world, against the spiritual wickedness in high places. There's a portrait of that in Daniel where you see that Daniel had prayed and the angel of the Lord comes to Daniel and he said, the Lord has heard you at your first request. But when you look in the scripture, it took 20 plus days for the angel to get to him. There's Daniel praying, and it's been 20-plus days before he said his first prayer, but the angel says that God heard you at your first request. However, he said, it was the prince of Persia that had restricted me from bringing the answer to you. The answer was there. God had heard it, but there was this struggle that was happening in the atmosphere that was preventing that answer from getting down to where Daniel was. There's a a confidence that we have tonight in, in this atmosphere. That helps us hit the hit the target tonight. Yes, we may have that enemy. Yes, we may struggle sometimes, and we may not get the answer the day that we pray. But in Ephesians 1 and 20, we have this confidence in God's word. It says, which he had wrought in Christ, speaking of Jesus, he said, when he raised him from the dead, and set him at his own right hand in the heavenly places. This is what it says. Far above all principality and power and might and dominion, in every name that is named, not only in this world, but also in that which is to come. See, what you've got to understand is the struggle that we have down here, Jesus is set far above that struggle. He is set on his throne at the right hand of authority under God. And right there, I'm telling you, when we pray, we have access, we have an advocate with the Father that takes and makes intercession for us, that we are not alone. And we've got to know that even though the atmosphere, the winds, can try to knock us off course when we aim at Christ, When we find our strength in him, we're able to deal with the atmosphere that is around us. Some of that we have control over. I've got to tell you tonight, some of that you have control over. What you listen to and who you listen to and and, and where you go and what you watch. Some of that you have control over. I, I can't do that for you. Pastor, he can't do that for you. Some of that you've got to do for yourself. God has a calling for each one of us tonight. If we'd make our way up to the music, I'm going to try to bring this to a close. He has a calling for each one of us tonight. There's a work that only you can do. Matthew 6 and 33, I believe, holds the location for what that is. Seek ye first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and he'll add all of these other things unto you. When we seek Christ and his righteousness, he leads us into what he has for us. And I don't know what that looks like. I can't tell you, Stephanie, what that looks like for all of us. It's all different, Jill. It's all different. God has a work. He has a sphere of influence for you. There's one thing that, that happens in your local church, and that's a ministry that you do here, whether it's being a greeter, whether we were asking for volunteers. The last number I heard, it's huge how many people we need. But that's okay because it's God's work and God will call those and he will equip those he calls and we will have what we need. We'll have the greeters, we'll have the ushers, we'll have the singers, we'll have the choir members. Gary, it's okay, it's in God's hand, it's on God's agenda. But I'm telling you tonight that if you're not connected or maybe you're at a place where you're struggling with that tonight and, and maybe you were once had a thought or maybe a word spoken over you and maybe you've been involved in a ministry before and, found yourself stepping away from that or maybe it's a you're like a Joshua where maybe you were there picking up the pieces of a ministry for someone else and God's calling you to a new phase something new that he wants you to do I know this that God will cause all things to work together for the good to them to love him to them that are called according to his purpose and I can tell you that this church needs you this church needs you at a time like this, where we're struggling with the deaths that are happening in our church, that's one thing. But some men hung out in our Sunday school room, and, and we were broken about what's happened, Pastor Ray. We were broken, and we were looking at each other, and, and one of them spoke to me, and he said, you know, it's like the pillars, I think it was Andrew, he said, it's like the pillars are literally being knocked out from underneath the church. And we begin to challenge each other with the thought that even though that may seem like it, because I'm going to tell you right now, I dreamt last night about Virgil Ambergy. He was in my dream last night. I loved Virgil Ambergy. I would look for moments, sometimes before church, and I would go and I'd sit and I'd talk with Virgil. I had no idea what was ahead of Virgil. I had no idea. I just know that I love the man and I respected him. I got an opportunity, John Weaver, to serve on council with him. And I've, I count it probably one of the highest privileges of anything I've ever done in my life, of, of anything in my sphere of influence, I've had an opportunity to do. I feel part of that was serving with Virgil Ambergi. I love that man. And so God may have something for you tonight. I don't know what that looks like, but I know that our sphere of influence is something very specific for each one of us. And this is what Isaiah says in Isaiah 49 and 1, if you'd stand to your feet, I want to read this and, and challenge us before we go to the Lord in prayer. It says this in Isaiah, Listen, O Isles, unto me, and hearken, you people, from afar. The Lord hath called me from the womb. From the bowels of my mother hath he made mention of my name. He hath made my mouth like a sharp sword. In the shadow of his hand hath he hid me, made me a polished shaft, And his quiver hath hid me, and said unto me, Thou art my servant, O Israel, in whom I will be glorified. (laughs) Pastor Debbie, it reminded me of when me and Angie had left the potter's house. It was a difficult time for me and Angie. God had let us out. We knew it. Tough season. Pastor Darrell, I know you're struggling at times. Those seasons can be difficult because we love those people that God's calling us away from, and in that process, Angie looked at me one day, my wife, and said, where do we go from here? What do we do now? And I said, it's okay, it's the same thing that we did when we were there, because it's never about us, it's always about him, so what we will do is what the word says, we will go from glory, to glory, to glory, to glory, so wherever we get, we're going to get there, and we're going to give him glory, because that's what our job is, and that's our job tonight as the church, amen, amen. With every head bowed and every eye closed, I want to challenge your heart right now. I just want you to close your eyes as I challenge you tonight. I want to challenge you that God has been preparing you before your birth for this moment. We read in the scripture that his hand has hid you and made you. He's fashioned you and formed you and made a polished shaft. The master's hand crafting you and polishing you for the right moment. Some of us in this place tonight are right there. We're in the polishing process, and like Paul, God is working the flesh and the world out of your life, and He is preparing you for his ministry. He's polishing you and preparing you. You have read, you have prayed, you have fasted, spent time with God, and you thought it was just devotion time. God has been preparing you for his work. Some of you have went through the polishing process, and you've questioned that process. Be encouraged tonight. It was the master's hand that formed you, called you, and polished you. Tonight, you're hidden in his quiver. And at the right time and at the right moment, God will call upon you and release you. And you will hit your target like a polished arrow being released to a target. And you will be in the center, the ministry God has called you to and have confidence that God is always working on us, there is no calling or ministry assignment that is more important than the next one. They all fit together to make the hand of God in our generation. Ephesians 4 and 16 says it this way, from whom the whole body fitly joined together and compacted by that which every joint supplieth according to the effectual working in the measure, there's that matron, of every part, maketh increase of the body into the edifying of itself in love. That's us tonight, church. Each and every one of us fulfilling what God's called us to fulfill, our part, our measure, our matron, God's work, His hand, and our day. Tonight, with every head bowed and every eye closed, I would first want to throw an opportunity out to the person that might be in this room, and maybe you're like the Apostle Paul. Maybe tonight you've just went completely the wrong direction, away from God. You've not had that encounter with Jesus Christ. And you know tonight that that is the first thing that needs to happen in your life. If that is you tonight, I just ask you to raise your hand and we'll have a quick prayer with you. And in that prayer in itself, if you trust in God, if you believe in God, that prayer will save you if you mean it with everything in you. If you need salvation tonight in your heart, I ask you to just raise your hand tonight. Amen. After you've raised it, you can put that down. Amen. For the rest of us tonight, it sounds like and looks like we're all prepared. We're all ready tonight, which is great, because I felt like tonight that this was a a message to the body. And I find it only appropriate that I'm going to turn this over to Pastor right now because this is your congregation, and I want you to finish this service out. But I know this. We have a work for us to do. We have a pastor that God's put over us. And it's exciting, the day that we're in, the moments that we have right before the coming of the Lord Jesus Christ, amen.
4: Thank you, Marty. Would you just for a few moments tonight, would you just step out from where you are and meet me in the altar? Let's come together as a church family. He's talking about intentionality. He's talking about us understanding and knowing that we have a purpose, that God has a plan is a plan for every one of us. Every one of you that's been given life, God has a design and a plan for you. He has called you, he has laid out for you, he's already ahead of you. God is already providing what you need for where you're going in your life and in the destiny he has for you. God is already way far ahead down the road. and He's getting things ready, Jonah. He's getting things ready. God is ordering steps. He promises us that. You know, someone asked me the other night, they, they said, would you believe in predestination? I believe that who he foreknew, he does predestine. What I mean by that is, I believe God orders our steps. When he know when you've accepted him, I believe whosoever can accept him. When you accept him, you fall right into a destination and that God has got a plan. And I believe God wants us to follow that because he's got got things he wants to do, speak into your life. You don't ever want to get to heaven and find yourself standing there and God saying, okay, you know, behind door number one, this is what could have been. This is what I had planned for you, but you played it safe. Somebody says, oh, that won't happen. Yes, that can happen. Behind door number two, here's, here's the other options that, that, that we could have done. We could have could have made this happen. This was a permissible will. But you played it safe. I want to I move forward into everything that God has for me. I've done that since day one. I mean, ever since I was a teenager walking in on that back row of this church, I have just been driven by God. What do you want? And it seems like I have, I've worked against all the odds. I feel like my life, Boki. I feel like my life has always been like you've seen those those fish. I think it's salmon. I'm not sure that that swim upstream, you know. And, and the bears jump in there and have fun, but they're, they're always just swimming. Yeah, they're, they're going. I've always felt like I've, you know. I used to pray and I'd say, God, why do I always have to do it the hard way? I mean, some people just got easy street. You know, I just feel like they're just, man, they just float right in there and everything. I just always felt like I had to swim upstream. Anybody else else ever felt like that? You had to go upstream. But in that process, what I've always found is, you know, we talked about it this morning, the troubles, the trials that bring us close, the secret place of God. It's always those people that are willing to stand out. It's always those those people that are willing to sacrifice. The people that are willing to follow and to move against all odds in the direction of what God has for them. You know, God's not in the business of calling people to mediocrity. I've often said this in my leadership classes. I, I go nuts on this. God does not call us to average. God is an average. Look at everything He's ever put together. Christine. The mountains, the majesty of the cosmos, the, the planets, the stars, the air that we breathe, the way that the, the seasons are on the earth, the, the beauty of picking up a little pile of dirt, and in that dirt are millions of life forms. God does things excellent. And God has created you, the greatest masterpiece he has His people. No, man, you, you are a... a a masterpiece. God has created you just like you are and he has got a plan for you. You are more important than most anything you see on the earth. Now, I don't want you to get the big head. But you don't even know, son, what God, when he when He gave you life and placed you in your mama's arms, God had a design and a plan over your life and he's got a purpose for every one of his children and you, man, you don't want to miss it. What I hear you saying tonight is that We need to be intentional. We need to say we're not going to stand for just idle living. We're not going to be detoured by stuff, the the flesh, the arm of the flesh that keeps us weak. We're not going to settle for just being average and barely making it. I don't want to get to heaven and find that there was a lot more that God would have had for me if I just would have risked a little bit, if I just would have stepped out in faith a little bit. God wants some people tonight to step out on nothing. He wants you to step out on nothing and believe him for mighty, mighty, mighty miraculous moves of his spirit over your life. I'm believing that the challenge has come to us tonight on this mixed Sunday night. I believe the Lord wants us to be the people that will trust him and step out. If Abraham would have stayed in that tent on the backside of the hill, he'd have never, never got to where he was going. He would have never had. The experiences and the encounter with God. I'm telling you, you can't stay safe. you got to stay in this mode saying, God, what's next? I like that, what you said. What's next for us? What's next? That's what I'm asking. I'm asking it for my life. I never dreamed I would be a pastor one day. I'm still scratching my head wondering what in the world God was thinking. I loved being a youth pastor. I loved it. It, I was going to do it until I was a 100. God had a plan, and he finally got through and said, trust me, step out on nothing. I don't know what God's speaking to your life. It might be to teach a class. It might be a part of a ministry. It might be that God's calling and challenging you into a new mode of ministry that you've never even ever thought you could do before. Most of the time when it's God, it is something you can't do on your own. But I believe I'm looking at a bunch of folks that are being challenged tonight. So I want us right here in the altar. If you would just kind of move in real close, wherever you are, don't be afraid. I want to tell you, I meant to say this earlier, but I want to say it right now. Kyle, it is so good to see you back in church. This young man was in a horrible accident, and a man had all kinds of surgery, and he's got rods and pins, and he's a bionic man. If you remember, Some young people are like, what's that? He's a, he's a miracle tonight could have been much, much worse. We could have lost him, but he's here tonight. I want you to welcome Kyle back to his church. God's got a purpose for you. God's got a purpose for you. Circumstances try to take you out, but God's got his hand on your life. It's the same for every one of us. Let me guarantee you something. You know, God's bigger. God's bigger than any problem, He's bigger than any challenge, He's bigger than any tribulation. God don't don't sit back and go, well, you know, there just wasn't nobody that, that could help me out, so that fell apart. God don't have failures, not in what He does. Not one of us, not one of us are outside of His spectrum of victory. He will always come through always come through, so pursue, be intentional, let God lead you and bless you and do the plan He has for you, we didn't know how it was going to turn out, Bree, we didn't know, you thought things would be a lot different right now, but here you are on a Sunday night, and you're in God's house, and you're saying, okay God, I trust you with what's happened in my life, what's next, and I believe God has a plan, and He's got a purpose, you didn't miss it, you're not getting out just gonna wander through life in a canoe, just waiting for you know your life to unfold. God's got a plan for you. He's got a plan for every one of us, right? Do you believe that? Say amen. You don't know why you were led here, but thank God you are. Here you are on the front row, right here, smiling from ear to ear. Everybody who meets you and knows you just says you guys are just like part of the family, like you've been here forever. God just knows what he's doing. He knows what he's doing with you. I said, he knows what he's doing with you. Amen. I want you to just reach up and put a connection, connecting hand on somebody's shoulder close by. Pray for your brothers and your sisters and let's pray tonight. Let's believe the Lord for a touch over every heart and life. We receive the challenge, Lord. We come together as a body of Christ, as a church. I thank you for these that are here on Sunday night. I pray that you will touch and minister, Lord, by your Holy Spirit. Touch us together, Lord. We believe you. We're standing on the edge of the river, and God, we're looking at the waters. And we're going, how in the world do we get to the other side? But, Lord, we know that all we need to do is step in. And as we do that and trust you, the miracle begins. And, Lord, you begin taking us on a journey we can't do and can't be, can't even conquer on our own, in our own strength, but Lord, we trust you tonight. I pray for husbands and wives. I pray for families. I pray, God, for ministers. I pray for your work to be done, the people that are still waiting out there in the streets to be touched and their lives changed. I thank you for them because, God, we are being prepared right now, equipped by your spirit to move in an intentional way into the purpose you have for us. Lord, you've preserved this church for 100 years and we're thankful tonight. We're so thankful for all that you've done and we know God that it is our responsibility at this this new century to pick up the torch and to carry it in to the coming of the Lord and Lord we do that with boldness. We do that with purpose. We do that God determined that we are going to absolutely shine and do the things you've called us to do and we'll do it in the anointing of your Holy Spirit and Lord we will conquer and we will be victorious because that is the plan that you have for all your children. You said we will always triumph in Christ Jesus. And so we bless your name. We honor you tonight. And we move now in intentionality and in purpose into the plan that you have for us. And we thank you tonight for we are empowered for your service. And we glorify you. And we give you thanks. And everybody said amen. Why don't you give the Lord a great round applause of praise. Amen. Praise God. Don't give a preacher a microphone. Give a preacher a microphone, we'll preach. Amen. God bless you. Thank you for being here tonight. What a beautiful crowd. I love you. You're amazing. Be with us this week. Please support. How many will pray for the families that are hurting? How many of you will pray for your pastoral staff? You know, I love what our sister Joanne said earlier before service. She don't know how much it meant to me. She said, you know, these families are hurting, and they're going through what they're going through, and it's devastating to them. She said, "But as their pastor, you're going through it with each one of them, and that's true. It has been a hurtful time, very, very hurtful time, sad time, very sad, and uh, it's it's tough on all of us because we love them so much. I mean, don't you? You know what I'm saying? It hurts. We love them so much. So let's." Build one another up. I love what he said, and I would challenge you tonight. Challenge the church. I think the best thing we can do is at each one of these memorials this week, the best thing we can do is just show up. Don't mow the grass. Don't don't lay the, on the couch. Don't sit at home. If you've got a free if you're able to be there at all, we should just be there. Don't you agree with that? I think we should just be there. So I want you to oh, I don't matter, I'm not really close to anybody, I just attend church, you matter. You're a face that they see and they love and they want to know that you care about them. One of the greatest, greatest answers to a question you can be is the question that my staff knows well. I always say to them, let people answer the question, this number one question, do you care about me? You just being present, you're sending a card, you sending a Facebook message, or just shaking their hand or hugging their neck. You're sending a message, I love you. And that's one of the most important things you can do during a time like we are having now, amen? How many of you know that's true? Amen. Father, we thank you for tonight. We thank you for the word. I thank you for the message that you have given to Marty to bring to us. Lord, we are thankful. We thank you for your presence and your power that guides and keeps us as a church. Let your work be accomplished through us. Your purposes unfold as we give you honor and glory and thanks for it all. In Christ's name we pray. Amen. So church is not dismissed, but the church is leaving the building. God bless you.